For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Ike to Gone. What's up, everybody? I think, uh, did I take off? No, no, I did a podcast last week. Dude, my days and nights have turned into one crazy long dream. Not a nightmare, not yet, not ever, hopefully. But I just did a gender reveal video live. I haven't done live in a while. I screwed it up. I got my wife's European family coming in saying, these this live I can't. My father who wears like the $1 glasses. This isn't a Jewish joke. He just is stubborn and he won't admit he has bad vision. He couldn't go on the link. So now this is the, this is my realm. This is my space. A little MMA talk and a little MMA talk with a friend and former colleague, the man, the myth, mafia. Brian Mafia Ciano. Brian, you are a Long Island native or a New Jersey native? Long Island native. No, yes! definitely New York. New York, yes! Long Island yes! native. Yes! I live out in Jersey because it's cheaper and easier to get to the city, but always New York blood. I never scripted Congratulations the on the baby, man. I'm so happy for you guys. Thank you, brother. Uh, that, that's the last question on this. Like some advice. I always ask somebody who has kids about <laughs> advice. That's what I've learned. Never ask somebody that doesn't have kids about advice and never ask a single person about relationships like the 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 drunk single guys gonna be like yeah bro all the bitches yeah, yeah. it's like dude there's a reason why you're single there is many reasons right. it's there, always, but- it always the single people and the people without kids that know the most meanwhile they're getting <laughs> nothing right they're always telling you they're always the ones that get well i read this on this website and they said no shut up unless you lived it i don't want to hear it <laughs> yeah man seriously any website even the nyt at times has been uh questioned in terms of in terms of credibility but let's talk about what has happened what is legitimate UFC 251, man, you've been covering MMA for a long time now as a correspondent for uh, SiriusXM, for CBS Sports Radio, now the Sports Grid. Uh, we can find you also on SB Nation. Brian, Mafia, Siano, dude, this is an honor because you are educated, but I don't think you've gotten your due. Like, uh, I respect your picks. I've always tried to go on to battle with you, but I think because you're too calm and cool, People kind of see that as a sign of weakness, which is bullcrap. If anybody meets you in person, you are a mountain of a man. Dude, you are a giant. I think you said you could dunk the ball. I think Scott Farrell, your former uh, – or no, you guys are still playing basketball. Your teammate on the court says you can dunk the ball, but you're a beast, man. Anybody that knows you should – anybody that knows you respects you, but everybody online and that hears you, you are a mountain of a man. You are just extremely modest, so – Thank you. I appreciate Thank you for the joining. Love, man. I mean, it's always the quiet ones you got to watch out for. The yappy ones. So it's like the dogs, you know, like little chihuahuas are always the ones. <laughs> you got to be afraid of them. It's, you know, the big great Danes are sitting there just looking at you. And then all of a sudden you say one thing too much. And that's when they snap and, you know, they're over the, the jaw, over the neck and you're in trouble. So that's, it's always a quiet one you got to watch out for. But I appreciate the love, man. I've always uh, enjoyed MMA. Like ever since I've been hanging out with Scotty, 
ever since I started interning with him 14 years ago, I think at this point, you know, oh, when we had dang. Tito Ortiz and, uh, and Chuck Liddell come in for the second matchup with them. And Tito was bringing in Jenna Jameson while they were dating and stuff. And that's when I fell in love with it. And I, you know, boy, Matt Sarah getting into it with the GSP upset, you know, it really brought my love in for the sport. Tried training for a little while, not as you know, well or as high up as you did, obviously, but you know, you get that extra perspective there. So I've always loved the sport and got into it. And I uh, tried to, you know, look at the technical aspects and figure things out that way. And, you know, it's even further more now, you know, I always have picked fights, but it's always like with the way these uh, money lines work out so much, it, it doesn't work out. You know, you, you've got to bet, you know, minus 330 on Usman to try to win some money. You're not making anything. So now, you know, when they're expanding this, the gambling now with FanDuel and these other ones doing, you know, method of victory, over-under. So it gives you so many more avenues to try to make money where you get a little plus action here. And it's been a lot of fun. Amazing, man, dude, you're like, your camera savviness. That's just like, this is, dude, do I even recognize this guy? Is, I got to be is on the... TV now every day, man. I got to be used <laughs> to it. Amazing. I'm glad you said TV. It drives me nuts when people don't think that Netflix is TV or that podcast is radio. It's like, it's the new wave. It's like, it's, it's the way everything's going. Do you agree with that? I think it is. I mean, all these streaming services that everyone has, because we're on a lot of those and, you know, we're getting on regular, trying to get on regular TV as well. But I mean, you know, things like Roku that we're on or the Samsung TV, you know, you got uh, the Plex, all these things that everyone's cutting the cord now. When you look at the cable bills that people are racking up, you know, 150, 180 bucks a month just to get basic stuff sometimes or a couple extra channels here and there for sports. Now they keep jacking up these packages. I mean, people are just saying it's not worth it. You know, I'll go with the basic service for the internet and, you know, get a couple services here. They're streaming ones. I mean, those are getting out of hand too, obviously with all the different ones that are coming up where you got a five, 10 bucks a month adds up and you got 20 of them. But, you know, it's the way of the future, obviously, for the younger generation. You still have some of the older ones that stick to the – they know cable, they know TV or broadcast, that's all they know. But when you have things like the Zone doing, you know, boxing or you have ESPN Plus with the UFC, that's the way things are leaning towards. It's more a la carte pricing and packaging than people being stuck with. You get 50 channels and you don't want 45 of them, but you still got to pay for them. It's true, man. So sticking with that – uh, I know we we're going to jump into 251, but what are your thoughts about the UFC being exclusively uh, just digital with the ESPN Plus package? Because uh, UFC 251 happens, and again, man, I wish the freaking UFC made 249, 250, and 251 all free. Like, this is an opportunity. Yeah, uh, nearsightedly, it's going to be tough to cash in, especially during a pandemic, but you bring more eyeballs to the sport during a pandemic. I think Gaethje Ferguson, 700,000 pay-per-view buys. That would have been at least five to 10 million free viewers on ESPN. And that was the best of the cards. But do you think, yeah, I was running around 251. I had to grab a laptop for my sister. Thank goodness she <laughs> has the HDMI direct to the TV. And then I got a finagle refresh to get on the stream. I thought, what was it, cable for us, for uh, New York, New Jersey, local guys, 792 or 500 to order like HD uh, or pay-per-views. And I'm like, oh, wait, it's just streaming. What are your thoughts about the UFC being exclusively on the stream saying they cut the cord, they are part of the future? Well, I mean, I get what they're doing with that. I mean, obviously, it makes it a little harder for some people, and you figure things out. But, I mean, you're making yourself sound old there with, like, oh, I got the cord and plug it in. Like, come on, you get Chromecast. You got all these ways that you stream things to the big TVs now. It's, it's pretty simple. You got to figure that out. I like, get on this. But, I mean, I get what you're saying where, you know, it's tough because now you got to pay five bucks a month before you even order the pay-per-views, which are overpriced at times, too. And, and that's tough. But, you know, I wish it was more of a model of, uh, you know, okay, like the WWE Network did where, you know, you buy that, and then, you know, you get all the pay-per-views or even, you know, zone where – here's our monthly thing. And then you get all these big fights. Of course, that's what you want. You want to get it cheap as possible. 
you know, some of these guys, obviously for them, it's a little easier than boxing. They're not paying the big money to too many people. So they don't have to worry about, oh, we got to make our money back because they're making the bigger piece of the pie here. I mean, that's what, you know, you have a lot of these fighters complaining about compared to other sports. But I think that, you know, for them, it works. I wish they were more reasonable or, you know, like you said, you could package them together maybe for, you know, a hundred bucks, you get three of them or, you know, for one, for 200 bucks a year, you get all of them. Something like that I think would work a lot better for people, you know, especially now that we're getting an economic crisis with everything that went on with the virus and you know, people not working, things like that. But I get where they have, you know, coming from it, where they want to make their money. But it's smart for them to do something with like ESPN or something like that, where they don't have to worry so much about the pay-per-view buys. And that's more on ESPN. They, you know, get this mega deal where they make, you know, a billion dollars or whatever, 500 million, whatever it is. I, I don't know the exact numbers offhand. Because, I think 1.5 you know, to 2. As far as boring. But, you know, that's where they're making their money. And then it's on ESPN to try to make it back. You know, kind of like you do with all these rights fees for other sports where they pay for the, you know, the money for it. And then they got to make it back on commercials. So it works out for them. It's a smart deal for them. It just makes it a little harder for some of us because, like you said, you, know, you can only get ESPN Plus on your computer or your phone, and then you got to try to stream it. And for people our generation, okay, we can figure it out a little easier. But, you know, if there are MMA fans that are 45 and over, it's a lot harder. You know, I get calls all the time from Scott Farrell about how to do things with technology. <laughs> I can't figure anything out. Ah, ah, what the I mean, he still, he still goes with paper checks, so. <laughs> oh, wow, old school, old school. Um. Well, it was the UFC 251, was it worth it then? Again, the, the price tag is $64.99, and that's outside of the $5 a month uh, ESPN Plus subscription. But was it worth it? Like, uh, did the event deliver? I think it delivered. I think it was a great card. I mean, you're always going to get the better cards great, in July great. and in the end of the year. I think you had some great fights there. I mean, come okay. on. The three title fights, the, the Thug Rose and Andrade fight was great too, even though that, that was wasn't a title fight. I mean, even, uh, the, I mean, even if you want to talk about free fights, the one you got with Ozdemir and uh, Prohaska was an awesome fight. It didn't last that long, but, you know, you got guys that swing that way. It's not gonna. But you had Ozdemir almost get the knockout in the first round. Then the newcomer comes and gets the knockout in the second round with a, you know, quick finish right And then It's coming out in the second with the, what was the flying knee and then the, the right and then put him down. So I think overall, you know, it was a great card, especially when you put it up against combat sports talk. You know, we're talking boxing where you get one fight. And either it's good or you feel ripped off. At least this one, I thought you had five good five good pay fights, six in total. You know, I was looking at all those top six fights, and then you know, compared to these free ones that you want, you talk about how great it would be to be drag people in with the free fights. Well, I mean, come on, these cards that we're getting this week are decent up top, but after that, you can't even pronounce half the people's names or know where they're from, or have watched them before because they were down, you know, further on these prelim cards on the bottom of the free ones, or maybe even Facebook, so you weren't watching it before. So I think. As far as pay-per-views, you know, if you want to talk about the price tag, things like that, I think that one delivered better than we've had a lot of these other ones in recent memory. You know, a couple of these other ones, like, uh, you know, the one right before that, it was a good fight. It was some good fights here or there. It was a decent name up top. But I don't think Nunez was a big enough draw to, you know, bring in that kind of money, especially when she dominated for five rounds. I thought you had a bunch of good fights on this one that made it more worth the money than it is in the past. So I think you're like me then in the sense that it matters like where, what fight the results of it are important as well. Like the Usman Masvidal, yeah, it wasn't a, a barn burner or fight of the year, not even close to Usman versus Covington. But I mean, the results are there. Usman's a dominant 170 champ. He's tied for George St. Pierre for the, the uh, most consecutive wins at welterweight. Uh, Masvidal, we saw that he, he just was a little short of being that tremendous superstar, international superstar, maybe crossing to the John Jones or the Nate Diaz realm of superstar. Not the Brock Lesnar or Conor Ronda yet, but 
Uh, is, is that why you're saying it's great because of the results? We see that Peter Yan has established himself against a veteran. I, I wasn't believing him or buying what he was saying. I picked Aldo in the fight because I thought the experience and because of Yan's uh, history wasn't that impressive. And what was the, the – and Holloway and Volkanovsky, it's like Max won that and like – No, he did. Volkanovsky's tripping. Max won that. Yeah, was it was it great in your mind because of the results or the actual display and technique that we got to see this past Saturday night? I think for the most part, the fights lived up to it. I know it's tough when you get, you know, controversial. I need a finish. I need a finish. I know the Usman fight, you know, really left a lot of people dissatisfied. But, I mean, honestly, that's what I expected. I don't know what people thought. You know, they saw Masvidal swinging away, and they saw, you know, Usman beating up Covington. They said, okay, this is going to be two guys standing in the middle throwing down. And, no, you know. Usman is a smart fighter. He knows this guy can take my head off. This guy He's can the new George St. Pierre. Um, George St. Pierre. I was comparing it to, uh, you know, like kind of, it was very Randy Couture fight where it's like, I'm going to put you up against uh, a kid yes. and it's not going to be pretty. And eventually I'll take you to the ground and grind down a little bit. But that's what it is. I know some people were comparing it to John Jones, but I don't think you can make that comparison. Jones is a lot more active on the feet. I think, you know, yeah. he's a typical wrestler that's, I'm going to grind and make you work, and it's not going to be pretty. People aren't going to like it, but it's going to be enough to score the win. They need to call him the neutralizer. He neutralizes yeah, people. It does. I mean, and it's a tough one for people to watch if they don't get the technique, if they haven't trained, if they haven't done the things. You know, then they think, oh, you're just boring. But you don't understand that the mind game's going on there because he's coming in saying, I know how dangerous this guy is, so I'm not going to take the risk. I'm going to play it smart because no one was complaining in the fight before against Covington. Everyone said, oh, my God, that's a great fight. Well, yeah, because Covington's a great wrestler. So he knows I'm not going to beat the guy that way. I'm not going to take him down and score my points that way. You know, his weakness is his stand-up. It's still pretty good, but not as good as his wrestling. So I'm going to pound his face in, and that's what he did. That's why I was laughing when people were, you know, he was talking in the press conference after people complaining about how boring it is. And he's like, Mayweather, I'm like, how quickly do you forget what the guy did in December? Yeah. And I was there at the garden. I saw him beat up, you know, Covington and shut his mouth for once. You know, it took me forever to get into the garden with Donald Trump there watching. You know, it was a great fight. Oh, no, that was, uh, that was Vegas. That was Vegas. I had to think of Diaz Masvidal, but you know, that, that was a great fight and people just forget how styles make fights sometimes. So I thought that was going to go the way it did. I picked him to win. I picked him to win by points. And <sighs> was it a bit know, short-sided picked... by Masvidal, man? That sixth. I know he looked, he looked, he looked in great shape when well, you know he weighed the problem in too with Masvidal in that situation. Like, yeah, people are thinking, Oh, well he didn't have that long to train. And, you know, he's claiming for a rematch. Well, you can't do that because the whole week you were running your mouth saying, oh, I never stopped training. I always knew this was coming. Yeah. So you can't on one hand say, I'm ready. I'm going to take this. And then two days later say, oh, I don't have enough time to train. I need a rematch. No, you, you got to figure out what you want. You want to say I'm ready? Then you're ready. You deal with the results and you come back in a couple of fights when you beat some more people up. I think he, he saw the chance that he now had the leverage to in his court with the UFC. They, they needed a fill-in. He traveled across the world on mm -hmm. seven days' notice, so he got that bump in pay that he wanted. And then, yeah, it's like you got uh, to pick what you want, man. The apples are the oranges. You can't co complain that, oh, uh, I took the fight on short notice. No, you took it because you got paid. And he, he did look in good shape. And he did last five rounds against a wrestler. Like, right. I thought he was going to just be – like taken down, dragged out, beaten up in the second and third round, or Masvidal will get the knockout. But he looked pretty good. He was rolling around, getting out of grappling ex uh, exchanges. Yeah, he had pretty some good, good. takedown stops. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It wasn't a terrible performance. Like he didn't get what he wanted. He didn't do what he wanted. You know, Usman controlled it in that way. But I was surprised with how well he stopped some of the takedowns. But yeah, I'm with you, man. No rematch because then that's taking credit away from Usman. 
like you, respect the man's grind, respect his record. So what's next for the, uh, the two uh, fighters from the main event of 251, well, in your opinion? I think Masvidal, I think a good fight for him would be Covington. He's a guy who's calling out, and you have the two mouths going Bingo. at it. I love you, Moff. I love you. Bingo. <laughs> and, you know, or you can – of course, some people are throwing out the Conor Masvidal thing. I just don't think Conor – you know, I know he's fought at 170, but Nate Diaz was a guy that fought at 155 forever too, so they're both not really 170 fighters. I think putting him against Masvidal 170 is asking for trouble because Masvidal is a lot bigger. He cuts weight to get the 170. That guy has too much power, I think, for Conor and too good at the chin. Uh, as far as Usman goes, I know people are throwing out, you know, Burns right away because he's the guy that was up there for the title shot, but he was kind of up there, you know, by process of elimination. I think maybe he waits yep. and see, you know, sees what happens with Burns. If you throw him against a Covington or, you know, uh, and Edwards, I think people are bringing up as well as having the title eliminated between those guys and then let them fight Usman because the guy I talked about, it, he wants a little time off. Like he's been training for four months or, and, you know, he wants to go see his daughter, take her somewhere and relax a little bit. And I think he earned that. So let these other guys fight it out to see who's up next for him instead of just throwing you know, stuff at the wall and seeing if it sticks. And Burns had a great you know, victory against Woodley, but before that, no one knew him you know, for the most part. People who watch obviously know, and people who saw his streak coming knew the guy, but a lot of like, the everyday, fight, everyday Joes that were just getting into the UFC didn't know that name enough, I think, to make it worth people buying a pay-per-view for him against Usman. 100%, man. Uh, I'm with it with the, the, the guys below figuring out. Do Edwards and Gilbert Burns on Fight Island. I think that determines the number one contender. Unless Covington versus Masvidal happens around the same time, that would determine the contender. But let Usman take off for a while. Uh, let him figure out. Masvidal can just keep filling it up on the, his media rounds. But, dude, looking at the co-main event, I, I think we touched on it briefly earlier. We both agree that – Max Holloway won that fight. He had the two knockdowns. I have this whole thing that a knockdown is just as good as a takedown and somebody that shows a little ground and pound and dominance on the ground. I think a knockdown can level that out. Are the judges, what the hell are they looking at? That Max won the third and the fifth and not the, the first and the second? I was like, it was pretty freaking clear. Are, are they underestimating the knockdowns? Uh, what happened on that? It should have been a trilogy unless there's some inner workings that they want the Volkanovsky versus Cejudo thing happen. Now, I have no idea what people saw Saturday night, given the scorecards to Volkanovsky. If the guy's retired, then he needs to <laughs> shut up and let us move on. He is an attention award. Nuts. Like every fight, every fight card, there's someone else he's calling out. Or he's, he's guys in boxing that's like six inches taller than him. I'm going <laughs> to fight him. Good luck with that. See how that goes. You know, that might work out in MMA where you could take the guy down in boxing. He's just going to pummel you with the jab for 12 rounds. It's not it, worth it. Is Garcia – is Ryan Garcia – this is who you're referring to, right? Yeah, I'm talking it, Ryan Garcia. The guy's is he like six, six inches, inches taller? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would just boom, be a terrible boom, fight. Boom, boom. So, I mean, I'm, I'm so tired of Senator Hudo. I get what Henry Cejudo is doing. Like, you're doing it as a, a negotiation tactic because everyone's pissed off with Dana right now. I get that. You don't like what you're being paid. You think you need more respect. Okay. But then do it – you know, do like Masvidal was doing or Jones was doing, saying, you know what, I'm just not going to fight then. And we'll see how it goes. Like, don't sit here and say, I'm done with fighting. And then continually call out everybody that's on the UFC roster every other day. It's not worth it. Like, people don't care about you because you're saying you're done. Are you done or you're not? Make up your mind. Like we were talking about with uh, Masvidal. Either you're good or you're not. Like, make up what you want to do so that we, you know, know where you're at. Otherwise, it'll Connor, another guy. You know, you keep talking about, whoa, what, what, what fights could Connor have? Well, none, because Connor's retired, isn't he? So, you know, it's the Mayweather thing all over again. Like, we dealt with that for years where he's retired. Still, again, well, with this guy against Mayweather, is he fighting? Because last I heard, he wasn't. So, I'm so tired of Cejudo's mouth right now. And in just a couple of months of him allegedly being retired. 
So, you know, as far as the Volkanovski-Holloway thing, I agree with you. I thought Holloway, you know, he looked a lot better than I thought he did. I, coming into that fight, I picked uh, Volkanovski, but I thought he lost the fight. Cause I, to me, I was saying, well, Holloway got beaten pretty badly the first one. I thought Volkanovski controlled it. The guy hasn't been able to train with his, you know, his partners or his coaches. He's been doing it over Zoom. You know, he's acting like he never lost that first fight. Where's his head axe? A couple of years ago, you had the whole thing. Yeah, Come on, Moff. Give me a one-two. Give me a one-two, Moff. <laughs> like, what the hell are they doing over Zoom? Yeah, I, I didn't know where his head at was if he can make the adjustments, not being able to train and everything. But he did. You know, he looked like the old Max in those first couple rounds. I thought he definitely took the first two. I was surprised by the judges' scorecard because I thought Max took the third as well. I thought he took the first three, and then Volkanovski came alive in the fourth and then stole the fifth with the takedown late. But I had it Max the first three, Volkanovski the last two. But they had it. You know, Max the first two, then I think Volkanovski three and four, and then f the ones the fifth run was the one that ended up making the difference, if I'm not mistaken. It's on the like card. he did more, like he did way less in the in the first fight, and he did way more in the second fight, and it's mm. like he still comes up close. Like, what did he need to like knock him down for a third straight round? I was just very confused I, at I what know. he I had to do to get that. A Dana thought he took that. You know, it's just again with these judges. That's the thing that we've had to worry about with these cards too is the moving around from place to place. You already have to worry about that as it is with different jurisdictions, different, you know, refs, different judges. But I feel like it's even worse now with the pandemic because you have no idea what's going on with this fight island. Like, who's running the refing? Who's running these things? Like, is it them? Is it Abu Dhabi? You know, the Jacksonville, I mean, Florida's judging is just terrible no matter what sport it is or where it is. Vegas you can yeah, usually man. rely on, but there's been some terrible judging in these rematch, in these, uh, you know, restarts because of Florida and Abu Dhabi. You know, the same thing as when they go down to Brazil sometimes. You're like, okay, there's no commission down there. Like, where are you getting these guys from? Because I've had no idea what they're seeing. Ah, see, like the judges are, are probably freaking rooting on the fighters. They're like against the cage. They're like poking the uh, mm -hmm. guys in the eyes. And you don't there. even have that now. So you can't even say, okay, well, this guy's got the, the home, you know, yeah. fight advantage where he's got the, the fans behind him and they can sway the judges because there's none of them there. Like, That's I don't know, maybe the announcers are <laughs> swaying him because you could hear everything they're saying. Yeah, yeah. I thought about that too when you hear Michael Bisbing. Oh, or Michael Bisbing has been such a homer for some of these guys. Oh, Oh, I was like, like you, you can't help but hear. I think Max, I think Max was like, just like, shut up, or like he does, like he did something pretty cool at uh, UFC 251. Mm -hmm. But where do we go from there, man? Like that's why give it a Max, do the trilogy. I think the Zabit, uh, Magomed Sharapov, and the Brian Ortegas and the Chan Sung Jungs, Korean zombies of the world. What is it, Yair Rodriguez's of the world? They need to figure out and sort something out. They are the the next tier down, they're right there, like right about to knock on the championship tier. Those four or five fighters that I listed, don't worry, just mute it, brother, whatever. <laughs> they're, they're a tier down. That's why we needed the trilogy. But in your opinion, who, who does Volkanovski fight next? Who does Max fight next? You know, that's a tough one because people are talking about like the rematch. It's like, no, you can't give to me an immediate rematch to that no. because, you know, he beat him twice. I know he got robbed in the second one, but you know, people aren't going to buy a third one right away. You know, if you want to talk about money, pay-per-views, things like that, people aren't going to say, well, you know, I just saw it twice and I want to see it a third time. There, there weren't that kind of fights. It wasn't a back and forth, you know, brawl or like Kind of like the Shevchenko Nunes back. thing, right? What's that? It's kind of like Shevchenko Nunes thing. Now that I think yeah. about it. Like, I mean, you got to have a couple in between, you know, some of these ones to get the excitement back up. Like now we saw Holloway back at his, you know, his natural weight, his natural way of fighting. You know, I think the way that he was coming into those other fights where, you know, he beat Edgar after he got beaten down by Poirier, but, you know, Edgar's not who he was either anymore. So people aren't really take, – they're taking that with a grain of salt. So you lost to Poirier, you lost to Volkanovski, you lost to him again even though you didn't. I think, you know, you need another two fights, I'd say, of Max being Max, you know, being blessed to 
make people say, all right, this guy is at the top of his game again. He's ready for this. You know, he's got the the game plan that's going to take this now and keep it out of the judge's hands. Agreed. Uh, Volkanovski. So you know, that's one of the more. I don't care what divisions. you say. I don't care what you say. It's Cejudo. <laughs> I don't care, man. That's the money no, fight. Not that's... There's so many guys. That's one of the more stacked divisions in MMA right now. I that... think lightweight and featherweight are so loaded that you can make so many different matchups, especially if you try some guys out against each other first, that it's just not worth it to throw them right in there. I think, it's you know, history. again, a situation you might let some guys figure some stuff out and blow them before you you know, have them clearly step up as the next in line. You just hate Henry, man. I don't know what it is. The gimmick. I don't know what it is, man. He saved the division. He won two titles. He faced the guy on steroids. He, he came back from adversity against uh, Marais. Uh, let, let's see. He's uh, he's an Olympic gold medalist. Forget the whole freaking triple C cringe, man, with the slap and the snake on the stage in Brooklyn before he fights Dillashaw, man. This guy's a true competitor. He when is, he's so retired. Up, Unless you tell me you're not retired, so that's it. So you that's can't it, say right? I give up the belt and then come back and say I want my belt right away either. Like you gotta, you gotta earn it now again. You're no longer the champ. You gotta start. You know, you're at the top of the heap, but you're still in the heap. And I know people are throwing out Marais, but obviously with the, the COVID that kind of put him back, and now they're throwing him against Garbrandt. Uh, you know, I, I think Sterling might be a guy to give a shot to. The way he looked in his fight, where he just comes in, and just flies right in the guy's back like a monkey, and, <laughs> and it's like gets the submission right away, like. I don't know. I've ever seen. Can't it. say that, Brian. Okay. You can't say that. He's black. I didn't man. mean that. Yeah. <laughs> I meant as someone climbing on a tree. That was not racial whatsoever. No, I know, man. I know you are. You are. <laughs> the I mean, cool he was so cat, quick man. just climbing up that guy, or you know, jungle. What do you jungle cat? Whatever you want to. You know, <laughs> uh, like what, something that climbs very. Got to get out of the jungle. He did. Just jumped right on the guy and choked him out, and you know, it was that was him against Sanic. It was when we we're saying like, hey, maybe that should be, you know, a possible real title fight here, and uh, you know. He just climbed right in there and oh, got man. the jump quicker than people would, you know, have expected. And we love Aljermaine Sterling, the funk master, Long Island's own Aljermaine yeah. Sterling, man. But you hit on something. I know we're in tough times with the world and what's going on with law enforcement versus minorities in this country. But what do you think needs to happen in this country to change, man? I think martial arts should be incorporated more in the academy and in precincts. And that could be a way to fix some of the way that cops go about handling themselves. Uh, I had Elliot Marshall uh, on last year to talk about things. He says, cops, they're just too excited to go for their gunmen. If they maybe were just trained in the martial arts, if they knew jujitsu, I've seen videos of cops. I've seen Marines even just get just flanked and flustered when they're going against just a medium level jujitsu guy. Do you think, and I, I'm joking about you being uh, insinuating any racism or not. Obviously, I know you're not. Uh, you worked with, you had a, uh, your coworker was, uh, or he's not was, he is black, uh, Rasan. You worked for years. So obviously, anybody that is going to jump on your case that sees this, that says Brian Mafia Siano is racist, they're idiots. But in your opinions, uh, could we fix the law enforcement from martial arts? I, I try to hard, I look at everything and see where martial arts can be inserted. Uh, what's your What's your take on that? I think the discipline angle could definitely help. You know, with everybody. I think though, if you're talking about like techniques and things like that, I mean, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, something we've gotten into issues as it is with the you know, chokeholds and things like you know putting people down, and trying to stop them. I think that what we have to do is. You know, not just police, everyone has to talk and listen. Well, that's the problem is no one listens. Everyone's talking, everyone's yelling, well, not even talking, everyone's yelling these days at each other. There isn't enough listening, there isn't enough understanding. And that's what I think we have to, you know, deal with that with everybody, whether it be, you know, politics or, you know, social issues or MMA. Like, there's just too much my side, your side. There isn't any, you know, 
people coming together for the, the good of everybody. So I, mean, I think the cops are under a lot of pressure. That's, that's something that's been a problem too. Is that there's so many things put on them. I think, you know, some of these things that people have talked about, about, you know, getting them help as far as other people stepping, you know, medical trained professionals or, you know, other people that, you know, uh, both psychological and medically, you know, just physical medical, uh, putting people out in the, the community to help them deal with these issues instead of just making them respond to everything. And, you know, coming into these hostile situations, need people to de-escalate. That's the problem is people are right away, they're amped up, they're ready to go and, you know, let's just fight. It's, no, sometimes you can just talk to people and then eventually if you have to get physical, that's one thing. But I think there's not enough talking and understanding right now in the world in general. That's exactly what, uh, did you listen to the uh, Jocko Willick and Joe Rogan podcast a couple of uh, weeks no, ago? I didn't hear that episode in particular. Dude, that's exactly the word that he kept reiterating, de-escalating. Like cops, mm -hmm. They shouldn't be going in there looking for a fight. They should be de-escalated. And he wanted to know why are we treating uh, like casuals or citizens who have a reason to be aggressive overseas in the Middle East with more respect than we're treating our own civilians in America. And he's like, well, listen, the civilians are coming in hot too. It's not like they're, you know, you see a cop right away, your, your blood starts pumping. You think, oh, what did I do? You get worked up. I mean, if I've gotten pulled over for whatever reason, whether taillight or, you know, speeding a little too much or something. And right away, you know, like your adrenaline starts pumping. There isn't, a calm demeanor on the people that are dealing with the police as well like everyone's amped up once this situation starts and that's why we all have to just take some deep breaths and you know talk it out a little bit first do we uh live in this utopia or are just people so stuck in their own way that they can't listen to other people man because it, i know we come from the world of communications and media but is it that simple that everybody just needs to calm down and put the phone down and actually just start communicating with each other I think that's a lot of it. I don't know if that's every part of the solution. You know, it's way above my pay grade. I talk about sports. I don't talk about, you know, society too much. I'm not like a sociologist expert, you know, but. I don't even know I how to that, spell I, that word. I don't even know if that's the right word. That's, you know, <laughs> I stopped schooling a long time Touché. ago. <laughs> but, you know, for me, that everyone is uh, just focused on themselves. It's all about me, me, me. Like, you know, it's, social media doesn't help it. Like everyone's putting about themselves out there and everyone's seeing, you know, I think a lot of problem too is that, you know, with the social media, we have so much more access to things but that it gives so much more access to some people who we shouldn't be listening to and we don't need to be hearing from too. I don't think everybody in the world deserves to have as big a voice through the rest of the world. Like sometimes some people say some things that, you know, if you're friends around, you say, dude, you're an idiot. Shut up. Like, that's just dumb. Like, how about you go educate, read a book or something, but there's just so many people yelling at each other and throwing things on social media as fact or as, you know, this is the right thing and everyone else is wrong. There just needs to be so much more compassion and so much more meeting in the middle than there has been. I mean, there is no things getting done in politics or a lot of society because people just, this is what it is and you're wrong and I'm right. No, you can be wrong. You know, everyone needs to realize that everyone can be wrong. And that's just something we don't talk through enough now. Amazing, man. I think we are the new wave of media. It's like we come from a, a, an old school media environment where a host who he just he or she or they they can't be wrong it's like the mm -hmm. righteous mentality and i think joe rogan and especially again that huge payday that he's getting with spotify is somebody that he can be wrong yeah he falls uh on his sword sometimes everybody's got an ego and yeah. especially somebody he's also that's a guy that you know when you listen to him he backs things up with like he educates himself he reads he goes out you know too many people just take things as what they see on facebook is fact or that, you know, well, I, I think this. Well, why do you think that? I don't know, just what I think. <laughs> you got to give me a reason. You got to have something, you know, back it up. It's like when you wrote papers in school. You know, you can't just write things out. You got to have citations. Like, you got to have scholarly sources. Don't just tell me this is what it is. No, unless you give me 
points to your point, things to back you up. It, I'm not taking it for face value. I need to know why you feel that way. I need to know what you've seen that, you know, gives you that impression or, you know, makes you think that that is the truth. And I don't think people do that anymore. Amazing, man. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, so you're saying they're lazy. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. So I read 280 characters on Twitter and think that that's what it is instead of going and reading, a, you know, 280 pages in a book where I might get a different opinion. Oh, and then it's like, it's almost lazier when people like overreact to thing. I've gotten in trouble with the UFC, with the host management for like the things I put on Twitter. Now I have to throw an emoji to express the opinion of sarcasm or a joke. Uh, Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle, it's like they're literally on stage meant to entertain a crowd of people and a ton of people at home watching on Netflix. And I think it's just lazy to just interpret things to be offensive. Do you agree with that? Like mm-hmm. the people just like yeah. the, they want to send the sirens off and the hounds to kill these people for saying something that's toes the line. And like, it's almost like a Neanderthal. Like I can't think with my brain further enough that this might be a joke or sarcasm. Like Bill Burr talking, like he's talked about domestic violence. <laughs> he's like, I'm not saying you should hit him, but did you ever think about it? Some woman stands up in the, the stands and she's like, nah. and he goes, does anybody have that thought right now? Like, and he's just, he's just having fun with it, man. And I, I think people need to calm down, need to Listen, calm there's down. Definitely some guys, especially in something like that, just, you know, shock value. They're going to say things just to make you upset, whether they believe it or not. But I mean, like you talked about the grades, like Chappelle and some of these other guys, well, they'll, they'll say things not, you know, because they want to just shock you or because they want to be controversial, but to make you think like sometimes that was the thing with the Chappelle show. Like, some of the skits you look at and people are like, oh man, that's messed up. But it makes it starts a conversation. It makes you think about it. I actually wrote, you know, that was my senior thesis on Chappelle's show and the LG show where they <laughs> put out stereotypes oi, oi, and things oi. like that, you know, to make you think, wow, that's, that's messed up. But it makes you think about why it's messed up. It makes you d- debate it, makes you talk about it. And then, you know, you know it changes your mind, you know? Right. If you actually think about things and you just don't take it as, wow, this guy's a show and this guy's a, a jerk. This guy, you know, talks about these things as terrible. Well, they're supposed to take you to that line. They're supposed to, you know, bring you up there. And the good ones like, you know, a Chappelle, a Chris Rock, you know, these guys make you think, you know, it's not just about laughs. It's about letting, you know, it's about education through laughter. Amazing, man. I, I always liked you, but now you just took it to the another notch, man. Not, not too many people. No, oh, you're talking about yeah, HBO. How do we get into this, man? We went down a different path completely. Uh, MMA is overrated anyway. Don't watch it. Watch MLS. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, dude, uh, are you talking about HBO, Ali G, or are you talking about the movie? Two no, different- HBO. HBO. Yes. Show, yes. Of course. Dude, genius when he has, like, the – like uh, senators or governors or local government officials and they sneak in the hidden camera and you just see like how the, their gears turn and it makes them look like idiots and he's mm-hmm. playing the idiot but yet he's making them look idiots which is genius but man uh Chappelle, uh, what's what's the favorite skit of yours that comes off the uh, to to your mind i mean Right away, some of the you know the first couple episodes too hit you hard with some of those great ones. The like you know you had the, the white, you had the black white supremacist. <laughs> you had the, you know the racial draft. The things racial like draft. That. Well, like it makes you uncomfortable. And that was the thing why you stopped. Why you said you know because in the beginning it would make people uncomfortable. Be like wow, and they you know talk about it. And then by the time it got to you know the end of season two, people were like oh just laugh and they're not even thinking anymore. They're just thinking oh that's crazy. He's he's nuts. He's funny. It's like well you're not getting the point behind it anymore. So it's not reaching. You know it's not doing what he wants anymore. And you know, credit to him, you know, they, they, the guy considers it an art and he does it in art form, you know, it's not just, I'm going to get the last and get the money. And that's what it's about. You know, he wants to do more with it. And that's why he walked away from all that money. Amazing, man. Amazing. Uh, my final thing about like, uh, 
politics and everything. I just think uh, the BLM movement, they did need somebody like a Will Smith, a Chris Rock. They do need somebody like a, a Denzel Washington or a Dave Chappelle, Michael Jordan. And it can't be you and me, man. We're just, we're white dudes from Long Island. Like it needs to be somebody that, yeah, they can relate to. And I, I said this in a previous episode, where is the Muhammad Ali of this era? Like there's nobody that's stepping up to the plate. I know Steven Jackson is being very boisterous and he's at the front lines of this and, and the rock is doing selfie videos, but it's like, I feel like we need somebody who can just transcend race and gender and just be the, the, the voice. I think if people see Steven Jackson a little unshaved, wearing a hat, wearing a no logo shirt, they can be thrown off. And the way people think, Oh wait, I'm just going to click the station. This is an uneducated black man. Meanwhile, Steven Jackson is like one of the most well-spoken, a dude who's from the hood who made an NBA career and was known as being like an aggressive player who's now doing an awesome podcast, I believe, with Matt Barnes for ESPN. Mm -hmm. I just feel that people would turn off the TV, but if it's somebody like the Will Smith, like I said, Denzel Washington or Dave Chappelle or Michael Jordan, I don't need a meme from Michael Jordan stating the times we're in. It's like I, – I, I think to crack through, we would need a leader with that. Do you, do you agree, or is this just a subject that you don't want to? Uh, well, no, I think that, I think you have a leader like that, and I mean, I think you have definitely guys like that. I mean, LeBron James has been a big proponent of. It. He's been out there and making true points. You know? And uh, I know what you're talking about the Stephen Jackson with the Showtime podcast with him and Barnes and the things that came out. Like I don't think that helped. I think he was great in the beginning, but now it's kind of hurt. You know, his uh, when Deshaun Jackson made his comments and he just jumped up and was right in line with him. I think that kind of hurt things, but I think. While you you know you say guys like you and me you know shouldn't be part of it and, and that's what I felt you know in the past sometimes I think obviously you need that movement to to know, be the leader have, the guy in have, the front right, line you have you have people in, in the front lines and you have some of those you get more and more of those like you know LeBron I said or Russell Wilson or you know in all sports you're having more of these guys step up and I think it's important though that it's not just one voice one guy and it's just his opinion I, I think it's worked out I think it's been more important and better right now where you have so many people getting involved you know of, of all different sports, all different, you know, vocations, all different walks of life. I think that's, you know, like I said, it's got to be more about people together, not about just one loudmouth, you know, saying something or forget that guy or, you know, because you don't want to have, if you have too much of a movement, depending on one person, if that person gets taken down then the whole movement gets taken down. I think we have a lot better situation where you have all these guys, you know, getting part of and girls and women getting part of it now where, you know, you can't take such a, big movement like that down by just taking one person down you know there's always NBA players that have got NFL players and now you have you know so many allies in other communities stepping up and saying you know what's happening isn't right and that we all need to you know be part of this and you know just change the system you know for all people but especially the people who are most persecuted right now like with the BLM movement so I think it's a, a that's why it's a stronger and better movement right now than I think it was when four years ago when Kaepernick was kneeling because I don't think enough people outside the movement stepped up and supported it back then I think now it's so much more support because there's so many more people behind it of all walks of life. So you do understand where I'm coming from. Like, I don't need the George Clooney's, the Robert Downey mm -hmm. Jr.'s, the Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, the world is on fire. Pay your well, you taxes know, that we and vote for a black president. Like, I don't need Iron Man telling me that, man. 
I mean, the problem with that too is you, we see some of these when you want rich and famous people in front because people listen to them, even though you know right. there's not necessarily reason that they should, right. you know, unless they're educated on the thing. Like because I I'm, just, I'm just judging the the medium IQ of like people. I'm like, oh, right. they see Will Smith, they're like, oh yeah, I robot. I'll listen to him. Oh yeah, Black people's lives matter. I shouldn't punch them, stab them while I'm a cop. Wait, let me change some things it's about also this. Like, show, though, because then you see you know rich people doing it. And you're saying you got no problems. Why are you saying this? Which of course is wrong. Because it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, you know, you can still be persecuted no matter, you know, by the color of skin, no matter what your monetary, you know, value is in the bank account. So, but obviously people kind of see, see that when they see these rich guys and say, oh, forget it. Like, what, what I need to listen to? You got no problems. You got all this money. Right. You know, like we had four years ago when LeBron tried to get involved and they, you know, you got people on Fox and you tell them to shut up and dribble. You know, you oh, got no problems. It's not true. I didn't these know guys, where that stemmed from. And, you know, these guys come from, you know, the, a lot of these people don't come from money. They might have it now because they're playing sports and they're famous and rich and acting and whatever. But, you know, it doesn't mean they came from that before. It doesn't mean they haven't had these shared experiences or aren't having it now. So, you know, even though they're in these rich neighborhoods, doesn't mean they're still not looked at differently because of the color of their skin or, you know, where they come from. So I think that's a, a big thing right now is that you, know, you want someone out there because people aren't going to listen to Joe Schmo. Like they're, they're just some you know loud person from around the block they don't care about. But then when you have the rich and famous person that's saying, why are you talking? You don't have these issues, even though they do. And dude, thank you for laying that all out there. I, I didn't want to like, uh, I bust your balls about uh, the Aljo joke, but it's like, I like you, man. I wanted you to like explain yourself. It's like, because people will jump on top of you and like script verbally, not physically, because you'll, you'll crush people and kill <laughs> people. But they, we can tie this back because if you remember a couple of months ago, Henry Cejudo was on Twitter, your favorite platform. And was calling Aljermaine Sterling Aunt, jo Aunt Jess Sterling Aunt Jemima Sterling. It was the Aunt Jemima and Aljermaine right. Sterling thing, and he got he was called a bigot, a racist, and he got a lot of brushback. And right, I think same that's, thing with uh, Joanna when she was going against uh, when she was calling out uh, was it Zhang Weilei? She was yeah. talking about the the COVID around her, making you know kind of lighthearted of it, and people got on her. I mean, that's, that's the problem too with that is the social media, people don't think before they put stuff out sometimes. People just like, hey, this is funny or I'm going to say this. And then it's the reverse back. side of lazy. How is this going to play with everyone else? It's lazy on a different end because I say, mm -hmm. oh, lazy aren't, they're not uh, like thinking or breaking down the joke that Bill Burr or Dave Chappelle's saying. I used to be that type of lazy like Joanna and Henry Cejudo just be a stupid young drunk chauvinist or be somebody who like make fun of uh, everybody just because of their race, like do impressions when I was a young idiot. And then it's like, no, that's also lazy too, that you're not thinking about who you're going to offend. So right. it's lazy as well. So MMA, man, let's, uh, let's tie it back. What fight are you looking forward to any fight on this fight island that we have lined up? Uh, well, I mean, I'm, that Whitaker till fight next yes, week is going to be yes, a good one for this, me. I love you, man. I love you. <laughs> I mean, both these guys are oh, you know, trying to get back to the top of the mountain. I think that's a big fight for both those Dude. guys. I love Joe Jitsu fighting uh, on tomorrow on Saturday, but I just I didn't see enough from him in that first fight to make me think he could turn that around. So Whitaker Till, man, free on ESPN. You nailed it. Yep. Like you nailed it. And of course, Cormier Stipe coming up, not on Fight Island, but you know, next month is going to be a huge one. The I mean, small those, cage you love is both very those guys. Both the two, you know, guys that you can root for, and all of them made two of the most personable and uh, you know just good guys in the sport. But when they get in that cage, it's a different situation. Fair, man. That, that, unless that fight's a dud, that's going to be the best trilogy in mixed martial arts history. Agree? Oh, I mean, that, that's a lot of trilogies there to go back on. I don't know. I'd have to think, because uh, some of them, you know, are a definite rematch. I don't know if you ever got a, a trilogy with Hendo and Shogun or 
some of these other ones, but that's definitely going to be one of the most, you know, recent memory, best trilogies. Absolutely. Amazing, man. Amazing. Brian, formerly of Sirius CBS Sports Radio, now always with his boy, Scott Farrell on the Sports Grid. What time do you guys go live? 5 p.m. Eastern. What is it? 2 p.m. Four to Pacific. Six Eastern on, uh, on Sports Grid TV. And then uh, Scott has a Sports Grid radio show, too, every night that's now out on you know, a million radio stations on uh, 1 to 3 a.m. Eastern. Amazing, amazing. Brian, Mafia, Siano, Long Island, Strong Island's own, not racist, actually amazingly street educated. And we got to pick Brian's mind about communication and some things going on in the world today. This was educational for me and for the six people that are going to watch this. So, Brian, thank you, brother, for joining me. Oh, my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me anytime. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.